1980, a young software consultant called Tim Berners-Lee wrote a program called Enquire. It involved the use of hypertext, links that allow users to jump directly from one computer page to another. It sowed the intellectual seeds of an information revolution, the World Wide Web. In the late 1990s, Tim gave several interviews against rather noisy backgrounds for the Open University series TheWebStory.com. The web is an abstract space of information. The web is a space of pages, of documents, of pictures, and th which are, are linked together. And the links uh, are abstract links. Now, in fact, for the web to exist, all this information about the links and about the documents is transferred over the Internet. Tim's pioneering idea for the World Wide Web emerged in 1989 when he was working for CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research. I was just frustrated with the lack of interoperability. The fact that people were championing different document, documentation systems and help systems. And I tried experimenting with actually taking all the documents in one system and making it appear as though they were in this help system. So I looked at the mapping between the two and eventually I realized that this little hypertext program I'd been playing with ten years before was in a sense the key in that if you made a, a global hypertext system, any of these systems could be represented in terms of it. And so suddenly this was the answer to making any system available without disturbing it even. That was the key thing. Without putting a constraint on somebody, forcing them to use a particular machine, forcing to store their do documents in a particular format. I just said, all right, let's not force any of these issues, those issues. Let's just second-guess them. Let's step up above them. And let's say, whatever you, format you put your document in, Let's say that it's part of the universal space, and let's find a way of making an identifier for it. And that, once you've had that idea, it's really pretty unstoppable. So when I said, hey, I think we should make a completely general global hypertext system, the very proper answer at CERN was, well, that's fine, but that's not what we're here for. So in fact, it was only because my boss, Mike Sandel, who was, had a sort of twinkle in his eye and thought, hmm, you know, I don't know what this exactly this is about, but I kept the feeling that it sounds, this sounds kind of exciting. Uh, and that he said, well, why don't you spend the next couple of months? You know, I won't complain if you just go and write the program. Uh, that if, you know, if Mike hadn't said that, if I'd have had to go through the process of trying to get a, a formal project approved, it would never have happened. Tim's brilliant idea was to make documents located on one computer appear to be located in a window on another computer. It took Tim and his colleague, Robert Caillou, two years to develop and refine the protocols that could make this happen. When you're looking at a web page and you click on a hypertext link, then hidden behind the actual text of what's written there is the identifier of some other page. When you click on it, then the program which shows you that page looks up the identifier. And the identifier is one of these things which starts with HTTP colon slash slash. And HTTP means if you want to get at this thing, uh, this is how you do it. You take the rest of the string, rest of the characters, and the first bit is something like www.acne.com. And that is the address of a computer, it's the name of a computer, in fact. So what the first thing you do is you go out to a, another computer you know which knows about the names of computers and says, hey, where, where do I find this? And you get back a computer number, like... 28.34.6.12, something looking more like a telephone number of the other computer. And your computer then uses that to, make, to start communicating with the other computer which has got the information. And what it does is it sends a very simple message. It just says, get, and it gives the rest of all the other characters left. 
So when you look at something which says HTTP colon slash slash, that means use hypertext transport protocol, www.something.com, that means go to this computer, slash gobbledygook, 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 you don't have, have to understand. All you do is you know that's what you ask for. So it makes a connection and it sends a very simple command, which is get gobbledygook, gobbledygook. And the response is that the, that the, the, the information about how to put up that page comes back across the internet, across that connection. So it's really very simple. It's just get me gobbledygook, here's gobbledygook. To start with, the web was limited to developments within the CERN community. Then, in August 1991, Tim and his colleagues launched the first publicly available website, a milestone in the history of the Internet. A lot of people ask, what was it like when the web, you know, when it suddenly exploded? When, uh, But it didn't. It didn't suddenly explode. What happened was that it was, for the first two years, a big, hard slog trying to persuade everybody that the w idea of global hypertext was not too crazy or too complicated or too confusing or too expensive or whatever and in fact that it was very simple and in fact it would save them time etc. So with my uh, fellow evangelist and colleague Robert Caillou we would went around to conferences and we went and talked to people individually within the high-energy physics community, which was basically paying our salaries, remember, so, uh, to tr persuade them this was important for high-energy physics. And we, at the same time, uh, sent out some email and some uh, news articles to news groups and things. And it was not apparent that it was going to actually make it for a long time. But the interesting thing was that when I looked at the logs of the servers, the first server was called info.cern.ch and the load on that server which started off between 10 and 100 hits a day when in the summer of uh, 90 the load on, on that server went up exponentially during the next 12 months uh, and then when I looked back and made the, uh, a year after that and made a graph of uh, the second 12 months it was again exactly the same shaped exponential curve so after a while, I started plotting it on a log scale so that you could see as, as it, when it went up from the hundreds to the thousands to the tens of thousands. And the load on that server was just as the time went on from the summer of 91, summer of 92, summer of 93, summer of 94, the load on the server just went on increasing by a factor of 10 every year. But the growing success of the World Wide Web only partially realised Tim's initial dream of what might be possible. The first part of it was, wouldn't it be great if we have this universal inform information space and everybody could be in sort of equilibrium with it so they could exchange information very fluidly through it. Wouldn't this do something amazing for humankind if we were connected through this information space? That was the, the dream part one. And the other half of the dream was, suppose you have a situation where anything which, any idea which is worth, not, worth typing in, worth clicking in with a mouse, is in the web then maybe we should bring back the computers, the computers which have gotten out of the way, the computers which have hidden, made themselves scarce and just produced this information for us. Maybe we'll be able to use them again. Maybe we'll be able to write programs which can analyze what on earth our society is like, what on earth we are trying to do. That was the second part of the dream. And that's not there at all. For that, we need a whole lot uh, more technology in the web. We need machine understandable information. We need digital signature. We need a web of trust. We need logical reasoning out there on the web. 
that is going to be yet another revolution. I think it's going to be as dramatic as the web phase one, if you like, and we haven't started yet. So really, if you think everything's over, you're completely wrong. This is just the start. We're just figuring out how to make these global revolutions using technology and how to make them be a good thing for humankind. Um, so jump on board now, because uh, it's, uh, it's speeding up. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.